Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Bases Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Welcome into the Thursday edition of MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson, broadcasting from the Izuni Tequila Studios out here in beautiful Las Vegas. We've got a wonderful show for you as Mike Oz of Yahoo Sports is going to be joining me in the second segment. Going to be talking a little bit about the rise of the Seattle Mariners, some of the teams that have slumped pre in the year. He's based out there in Los Angeles, so... We're going to get his take on some of those teams. That'll be a whole lot of fun. In the final segment, we've got a little bit of a shorter slate today because a couple of the games that were supposed to take place on this Thursday have been postponed, but I'm going to give you a side and total on every one of them as we touch them all. But first, I know that you guys have been asking me a couple questions about baseball handicapping, and I dive into the Twitter mailbag. So you have questions, and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. At GR8 Grins, that is GR8 Grins, goes by Robert Miller, and he asks, at unit underscore D1, is there a resource for umpire teams and results for ball slash strike calls since the teams work all season? That would be invaluable information. I'm sure that there is. I actually don't use a lot of umpire information. I will sometimes look on covers.com. They oftentimes have the over-under on umpires. And I'm sure that there are websites out there that they track every single pitch. I'm not someone that I go that far in-depth on the umpires because you do know that there are some guys with wider zones and everything like that. We all know sort of a umpire Joe West is as compared to Jeff Kellogg and everything like that. So I have a little bit of an idea on the umpires and what their zone is, but it's not one of those things where I look at it meticulously because with the game of baseball, what I do notice is that it oftentimes is the players that really impact the game rather than the umpires. I know that so many people say that the umpires have a big impact. I just don't see it as much personally. Maybe I'm just one of those people I'm not looking at the information enough, but I haven't found umpire information to be all that useful to me. So I'm sure that there are resources out there. Like I said, covers.com keeps track of the overs and unders of umpires. So that is a good resource for that. But it's one of those things where I'm not personally someone that uses it a whole heck of a lot. So I don't have a ton of resources there. And then I did have someone fire at me a picture of a parlay that they fired in yesterday. And all I could say to you guys is after seeing this parlay, I have to get on this podcast and tell you guys, if you're doing these like four or five team money line parlays where you're taking a bunch of big favorites that are like minus 500, that are like minus 200, minus 175 and everything like that, 
you're not going to be making any money in this industry. For one, if you're straight betting a whole bunch of teams that are minus 200, you're not going to make a lot of money. I mean, there are times where I'll take like a minus 150, minus 160 favorite. Don't be surprised if I'm taking one of them today when I do touch them all. But with that said, it's one of those things where long-term plus money in baseball is your friend. You want to be taking these underdogs and how do and how do I know this? Well, let's take a look at the results from yesterday as we go around the bases. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. The Baja men once asked, who let the dogs out? And the answer is the game of baseball because yesterday we saw a bunch of plus money tickets cash. How about the Colorado Rockies getting a 1-0 win over the Tampa Bay Rays? They closed as a little bit of an under- underdog. This was more of one in the neighborhood of, I would say, 120-ish, but... The Rockies were able to get it done in 11 innings as they knock off the Tampa Bay Rays 1-0. Chris Iannetta had the lone run of the game as he was able to go deep. you got to give both these pitching staffs a lot of credit. The Colorado Rockies seem to have revamped that bullpen as German Marquez was able to go seven strong innings. He had three walks, seven Ks. And then from there, it was guys like Sean Oberg and Musgrave that were able to give this team some solid innings. And then Wade Davis closed the door. And then for the Tampa Bay Rays, they got a great start out of Charlie Morton. And once again, their bullpen went deep. They gave up one run in 11 innings. You really can't sneeze at that. A bigger underdog, though, a White Sox team that opened up at some shops right around plus 175. They closed as a little bit less of an underdog. You're probably getting more like 165 on the White Sox, but they were not able to knock off the Cleveland Indians 8-3. Corey Kluber, he had an awful start. 3.1 3.1 innings, gave up six runs. Now, four of them were earned. There was a error in one of the innings for the Cleveland Indians, but he was not himself. He gave up three walks. He typically doesn't walk a lot of guys. And then the bullpen from there gave up a couple runs themselves. And then for the White Sox, Carlos Rodon had a nice start for this team. He went six strong innings, gave up two hits, one run. That run was not earned in nine case. Carlos Rodon is a guy that you want to be betting this year. He is a guy that does actually a sensational job as a starter. I really like being able to back him, and you're always able to get him at a plus price. That's a guy that I advise you to bet on. How about Matthew Boyd as well? He does not get the win for the Detroit Tigers, but the Tigers, a team that in some spots were right around, I would say, plus 160-ish, They were able to get the job done once again against the New York Yankees. Their second straight win as a big underdog. They get it done 2-1 in this one. Gordon Beckham goes deep for his first home run of the year in the eighth inning. That was a difference in this game. And Nico Goodrum also had a double for this team. That was very nice to see. And the Tigers won this game despite having only three hits. There's been a little bit of a power outage for the New York Yankees. Now, John Carlos Stanton did not play in this game once again, but they're not getting the bats going. They had only five hits in this game. I will say that John Carlos Stanton was out of the lineup once again today, so there's got to be a little bit of something going on there, but got to give a lot of credit to Matthew Boyd. 6.1 innings. He gives up five hits and three walks, but 13 strikeouts. He had 10 in his first start of the year against the Toronto Blue Jays. He looks like a pitcher that you want to back. The Toronto Blue Jays, well, they weren't an underdog, but if you took him on the run line, you were able to get a plus price. They knock off the Orioles 5-3. to three. The Orioles, who, oh, by the way, lead the AL East at this point. Who saw that coming? Talk about plus prices. But the Blue Jays' bullpen might be of a little bit of concern because they went into that ninth inning up by his count of 5-0. to zero. And then Daniel Hudson gave up three runs in the ninth inning, so you want to note that. But getting back to those plus prices, Marlins weren't able to get a plus price win as the Mets won that game 6-4. to four. Once again, a great outing for Jacob deGrom, who went deep in this game as well. He had a home run. He got his second win of the year. Seven strong innings, 14 strikeouts, gave up only three hits and one walk. This guy is absolutely lights out. Getting back to those dogs that were a barking, Texas Rangers, they were plus $2 in a lot of spots. They shut out the Houston Astros by a count of 4-0. to zero. Mike Miner, off to a nice start to the year. He had seven shutout innings in this game, gave up five hits, two walks. The Houston Astros bats just have not gotten going to this point. George Springer at the top of the lineup is doing a decent job, but Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman are struggling. Altuve did have two hits in this game, so you like to see that, but Michael Brantley in the middle of that lineup is only batting 200. Guriel has got his back going. Matt Stassi doesn't have a hit at all. And Garrett Cole in this one, he didn't have his best outing either. He won six innings, 
He gave up three runs. He had nine strikeouts, but you could tell that he was getting hit, and he was getting hit pretty hard as for the Texas Rangers. Noah Mazzara, who was able to take him deep, he had a two-run shot. That was his second home run of the year. Hunter Pence drove in his first run as a Texas Ranger as well. They were able to get the plus money there. If you bet the Atlanta Braves overnight, you were probably getting a plus price. They closed as a favorite, and for the most part in this game, it looked like the Cubs were going to get the job done. They were up going into the bottom of the eighth inning by a count of 4-2. to two. And then uh, Steve Ciszek comes into the game for a Cubs bullpen that is not looking very good, and he gives up three runs without recording a single out. For those of us that were backing the Cubs, who are now 1-4, by the way, what we say to Steve Ciszek is, thanks for nothing. And then another team that was able to get the cash in this one with a late rally was the Boston Red Sox being able to get on track and get their second one of the year over the Oakland A's. This game was 3-3 going into the ninth inning, and then one of our good friends that likes to blow games came in. Fernando Rodney, ladies and gentlemen, takes a loss as he comes into the ninth inning, gives up four hits, three runs, all of which were earned. And these are guys that... There are just some closers out there that you don't want to back. You never know what's going to happen when Sergio Romo comes into the game. We all know that Jesus Familia is Spanish for blown saves. And Fernando Rodney, oh gosh. If you have a ticket and you have Fernando Rodney on the mound, you should almost consider putting it into the fire because you just know that whenever you've bet on Fernando Rodney and he comes into the game, you know that he's just going to blow it somehow, some way. It happens every single time with him. It's absolutely disgraceful. And then getting back to the theme of underdogs that were able to cash the Washington Nationals, knock off the Phillies by a count of 9-8. This was just not the best performance out there for Aaron Nola. Goes three innings, gives up six hits, all of which were earned. Now, the Phillies' bats were really alive and well. Andrew McCutcheon, three RBI in this game. Bryce Harper was able to get... Two hits and three walks. So he was able to reach base five times. But for the Washington Nationals, they were able to play a little long ball. Ryan Zimmerman was able to hit a home run in this one. Anthony Randon had his second home run of the year. And Juan Soto went deep as well. It was a little bit of a hit parade for the Nationals. And then of all the people to drive in the winning run in this game, it was a pinch hitter, Jake Knoll, who was just called up from AAA. He was able to get a walk-off walk as he was able to get the win by a count of 9-8. Now the Phillies, it looks like, is going to be playing a lot of overs this year. Their bullpen is not very good as in this one, the guy that blew the game for the Phillies out there in the bullpen was David Robertson. Not a guy that you necessarily have a lot of faith in either, but a team I do have some faith in, the Milwaukee Brewers, as they get the job done against the Cincinnati Reds 1-0. Freddie Peralta was stealing. After getting roughed up in his first start of the year, he went eight strong innings, 11 Ks, allowed just two hits to a Cincinnati Reds team that their bats are just not working right now. Man, Kemp and Eugenio Suarez were able to get hits in this game, but man, a little bit of a power outage for them. And Luis Castillo, an up-and-coming pitcher, went seven strong innings, nine strikeouts, had a little bit of a command issue with four walks, but he did a good enough job to be able to win the game, but his team just did not support him. So that is what happened in baseball yesterday, and this is why you just can't be taking these parlays on these big favorites. I don't recommend parlays in general, but plus money in baseball is your friend. We saw so many of those underdogs be able to come through, and an underdog that I'm sure is going to be coming through for me next segment, Mike Oz of Yahoo Sports Radio. He joins me to talk a little bit about what we've seen so far in baseball this year, and that's coming up right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia Hotline. We are back here on MLB Overtime Betting, and it is a great pleasure to be joined by our next guest. He works for Yahoo Sports' MLB coverage. You can follow him on Twitter at MikeOZ. It is Mike Oz joining me. He also is the host of Old Baseball Cards as well. This is a guy that does a little bit of everything in baseball. He keeps up with all the teams and everything like that. He does a lot of the culture stuff. He's posting about the food and everything like that as well. As it is, Mike Oz joining me. And Mike, how are you doing on this fine day? Uh, Doing good, man. It's baseball season. The weather's nice. I think here it's a pretty good time of year. I do think so as well. And I do notice that the weather out there in a lot of baseball stadiums is nice. Is this a little bit different than what we see in past years? Because something I noticed with baseball is Typically, you're going to see higher totals whenever you get into these southern states like the Texas and everything like that. And then whenever you get into 
like Chicago if it's like 40 degrees or something like that. Ball just isn't flying out as much. Yeah, I should also specify I live in California. So uh, when, when I say it's nice relative to relative to where I am, I'm sure there are some other parts of the country that, that are not nice. But Oh, yeah. But baseball is always tough this time of year. Like you wonder sometimes, and we haven't seen, we've only seen a little bit. But I remember last year I felt like we saw a lot of early you know, games getting postponed because of weather and forgot what team, but I feel like there was a team that just had like four or five games canceled in like a week at one point early in the season last year. I think it was the White Sox. Yeah, that sounds right. And so this year, I think we've only had a couple, but, um, you know, I, I think this time of year, you're really hoping for the domes and, and those kind of places for a lot of teams because it's not always nice everywhere. But as I say, in California, it is, it is nice and sunny. And it's been pretty nice the last week or so. It has been very nice out there in California. And something else that has been nice with one of those California teams is the way the Dodgers have been racking up runs. This is a team that, other than their two-run performance on Monday against the San Francisco Giants, have really gotten the ball rolling, to say the least, on offense. They've got so many weapons with your likes of Cody Bellinger, Justin Turner, Kike Hernandez and company. Do you feel like this is one of the most fearsome lineups out there in baseball because we noticed the Dodgers last year were very inconsistent with their offense. And this year, it just seems to be firing on all cylinders. I think the Dodgers are at a point where if they put you or me in left field, we'd probably just hit a home run just just because. <laughs> 16 homers so far in five games, which is pretty crazy. I mean, they, they have the same amount as the Mariners and the Mariners have played uh, two more games. The Mariners have been knocking the cover off the ball too. Oh, yes. So the Dodgers having you know that many home runs is, is pretty impressive. They've just been, you know, home run machines lately, I see, it seems like. And, you know, I don't know that I would have pegged them as like the most dangerous lineup at the start of the season because, you know, the, the Red Sox are obviously good. The Astros are good. I was really intrigued by the, the Cardinals with Paul Goldschmidt. Brewers have been great, of course. But the Dodgers have been the team other than the Mariners, who I think are surprising everybody. I don't know if they're going to come back to earth, but I think this is what the Dodgers are. You know, they hit a lot of home runs. They've hit a lot of home runs in the past. I think the problem a couple of years ago of only hitting like solo home runs, I felt like was happening to them a lot. You can't argue with the number of runs they've been scoring and the way the offense has just been lights out lately. I completely agree with you. As we've got Mike Goss of Yahoo Sports joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And you do bring up the Seattle Mariners. This team has been white hot. Get off to a 6-1 and one start. I believe that they've had five-plus runs in all seven of those games as well. They've really been just ripping the cover off the ball. It's something I find very intriguing on Thursday is that they're going to have their prize prospect from Japan taking the mound in. You see Kukichi. Kikuchi. Yep, so. Kikuchi. I think it's Kikuchi. Um, Kikuchi, yeah, that sounds about right. It's hard to say his last name, but with that said, I'm very intrigued by him. I don't know what you saw out of his first start, but I think that this is a guy with a whole lot of upside. I saw him a little more in spring training than I saw him in the first start, but definitely has some nasty stuff. I mean, his, his pitches move a lot. I mean, granted, you know, 2019, a lot of people have some, some crazy movement on what they're doing, but yeah, he seems like he could be he could be really good for them. And um, the situation that they're in, they, they needed somebody like him. They don't have a ton of pitching after... You know, they traded James Paxton. Felix Hernandez is not Felix Hernandez anymore. And if he can kind of step in and be almost like a frontline type pitcher for them, I think that's really going to make their lives easier, you know, going into the next year. But I, I didn't expect a lot from the Mariners this year. I mean, they, they traded a lot of people, including James Paxton, Robinson Cano, uh, Edwin Diaz. They, they shredded a lot of talent this year. And who knows? It's, it's, it's probably just one of those. April streaks, but I mean, they went to Japan and beat the A's twice in a row. They went to Seattle and took three or four from the Red Sox, which I think was pretty impressive. And not just like kind of weird, you know, squeak by wins. I mean, they, like you said, they scored a lot of runs in every game. They, they, it was like a 12 to four win, a 10 to eight win. The game they lost was seven to six. So they've been, they've been scoring a lot of runs. And I don't know. I don't know if they can keep it up. And I, I think their, their division that they're in, though, there is some opportunity. You know, the, the A's are, Great last year, but they just a team that's kind of hard to be confident in when you look at the, the starting pitching. I mean, they get it done, but you also kind of like, is this going to hold up? And we know the Astros are good. The Angels are kind of the same as the A's where you're like, ah, oh, these guys should be kind of good, but never really totally put it together beyond Mike Trout. And, you know, if, if the Mariners can can be better than we think, there is some opportunity for them in the ALS. And last year, the team that was better than so many people expected was the Atlanta Braves. They've gotten off to a little bit of a cold start this year. I feel like a lot of this is because right now on the injured list, you've got Mike Fultonavich and Kevin Gosman. On Thursday, they're going to be trotting out their Max Freed as a starting pitcher. I just feel like the Braves have so many good 
offensive pieces. They signed Ronald Acuna Jr. to a very good deal of about $100 million over the course of eight years. So they've got him locked up long term. And it feels like they're going to be able to generate a lot of runs. I just don't understand why they didn't address the pitching in the offseason because they knew that these two guys were going to be out. And you still got Dallas Keuchel out there on the open market. Yeah, my first response to the, the Acuna deal was like, all right, does that mean that you guys now have the cost certainty to go out and sign Dallas Keuchel for a couple of years? Because you know what Acuna is going to cost you when he hits when he, when he hits arbitration. So I'm amazed they haven't done that. And Kimbrell, they could probably use Kimbrell too. I think they probably need Keuchel a little more. But they are a team that in that division with a lot of teams that have made themselves better, like basically they went out and got Josh Donaldson, which I think is fine. Like he's he probably going to help them out. But pitching is, is where they're at. I mean, they're, they're depending a lot on Fultonavich and Sean Newcomb to kind of be the guys they were last year and, and Julio Tehran to kind of spin an up and down pitcher over his career, kind of, kind of be good. And I just don't know that that plays against the Mets, against the Nats, against the Phillies. I, I think that's a really hard situation for them to be in without going out and getting another arm. Because all those teams in that division, with the exception of the Marlins, went out and got a lot better this year. And the Braves kind of, eh. I agree with you there, as we've got Mike Oz joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And one of those teams that you point out is the New York Mets, and I've been very impressed by them early on this year. I believe that out of their first five games, they had just one game in which they scored fewer than five runs. This is a team that they went on, they were able to get Robinson Cano in the offseason, Edwin Diaz as well. And it feels like guys like Rosario and company are seeing to come around with the bats as well. Feels like Jacob deGrom going to finally have more than one run per game of support, to say the least. And I do think that that makes it Mets. Perhaps he can tender out there for a wild card. Pete Alonzo. Let's talk about Pete Alonzo. Yes, let's do it. Tore it up in spring training. One of those guys that you thought would no way he's going to make the, the big league roster because they want to keep him down and do the service time manipulation. And I don't think... It's at all crazy to say they made the right decision, even if they have to get funky with the service time later or sign him to a long-term deal, which we're seeing a lot of, or just let him hit free agency a year earlier because he has immediately paid dividends. Um, and when we're talking about a division where it all could come down to one game, like it so easily can, whether we're talking about the wild card or the division or any of that stuff, like the fact that they have him in there and he is blasting. Six RBIs already. Uh, he is seven hits, which... I think that's the most on the team. The RBIs are definitely the most on the team. He is immediately paying dividends for them. And again, it, it, we, we could be talking about in September if they have, you know, one or two game lead, how it was smart for them to bring Pete Alonso up beginning of the season because it helped them win these games. And he might have already helped them win a game because keep in mind on Monday, we're in a three to three game against the Marlins going into the ninth inning. And who had said home run? Pete Alonso is able to go deep in that ninth inning. That already is a win right there. So I feel like the Mets made the right move. And on top of that, you mentioned he might go to free agency a little bit earlier and everything like that. I think a player like Alonso might appreciate the fact that they didn't give him the Chris Bryant treatment. They didn't hold him back. And I think that might allow him to be a little bit more loyal to the team in the long term as well. Yeah, and I think we're seeing, I mean, with, with Acuna, with Ila Jimenez, that a lot of these teams now are looking to, to lock up some of these guys. The players themselves are, are probably into it because they know they're not getting a lot the first couple of years before they hit arbitration. You know, I, I, I don't think that the idea that these players were never going to sign these pre-free agency extensions doesn't really jibe like the way it used to. You used to think there was no way, you know, but Xander Bogart signed an extension yesterday and he's a Scott Boris client, which, I mean, that seems like sort of the sky is falling type of thing that you never think would happen, but that's what's happening in baseball now. So if the Mets think they could, you know, get the best of Pete Alonso right now and maybe in a couple of years sign him to an extension or maybe this year or next year, heck, the way baseball is going, it could happen tomorrow. Then then why not? I don't see why there's a downside to doing it. And, you know, I, I think the other part of it is it gets your fans excited. And I think, you know, the Mets probably had a lot to be excited about already. But when you see sort of a, a rookie, a young guy coming out the gate in April, opening day, opening week, just hitting like that, like, it's going to put fans in the ballpark. It's going to make fans happy. It, it, it's the kind of thing that we don't see enough of in baseball anymore. We've got Mike Oz joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And I'm sure that there were a lot of fans out there in Boston that were happy about the way that last year ended. But Boston gets off to a 1-4 and four start this year. Why do you think Boston's gotten off to a slow start? Because we've seen that the bats have really been getting going. Saying that shutout that they had Monday against the Oakland A's. But the pitching just has not been there to this point. No, they have the, and again, small sample size, but third worst ERA in baseball right now. It's the Diamondbacks. 
the Rangers and then the Red Sox. And, you know, one of those teams is not like the other one. I'll tell you oh, the other two. And it's the Red Sox. And Chris Sale, you know, had sort of a shorter spring training. So maybe that's kind of why he got lit up in the beginning. We know that Rick Porcello has tendency to not be the best Rick Porcello he can be all the time. So maybe that's part of it. But yeah, the pitching just hasn't been there. I think we all sort of were curious about the bullpen and and what they were going to do there. But haven't even really got to that point because the starting pitchers have been the ones getting lit up. You know, Valdi went five innings and gave up six earned runs. Eduardo Rodriguez went 4.1 innings last time, five earned runs. And Chris Sale, who is the best one of all of them, gave us seven earned runs in, in three innings. And it just has not been, it has not been great for them. I, I guess the solace in all of it is like you will hope that it comes turns around pretty quickly. I mean, the Red Sox are not a bad team. They're not going to be a bad team. Good teams get off to bad starts. It happens. But yeah, the starting pitching just has not been on their side so far. Needless to say, I'll go out here on a limb and I will say that at some point during the year, they will pass the Baltimore Orioles in the standings. Oh, man. That is- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that's something you could, I would take that back. Yeah. I would too. But with that said, the Baltimore Orioles somehow, somebody start off the year three and one. They're able to win a series against the New York Yankees. I don't think anyone saw this coming. And something that I'm realizing with the Orioles is that their pitching in general just is absolute garbage. But this is a team that with guys like Trey Boom Boom Mancini and Jonathan VR actually have some decent bats. They do. And if Chris Davis ever figures it out, if Mark Trumbo's out there somewhere injured waiting to come back. I mean, they, the Orioles two years ago were the, we're going to hit a bunch of home runs, kind of softball, beer league type team. That, that's sort of the joke we made about them. They couldn't pitch, but they could score 10 runs a game. And I mean, they're not terribly removed from that. I think that, they have the offense, but the pitching is just... Oh, gosh. I mean, Andrew Kashner was their, was their opening day starter. I and mean, that was because... Whose name am I forgetting right now? Alex Cobb was was injured and they had to go to Andrew Kashner, who... I mean, that guy has just been... One of those guys you believe in every year. And just like, how does he never... How does he never do it? And then you look at the Orioles and you're like, oh, they got a bunch of those guys because Dylan Bundy is the same way, right? Like He gave up 10 runs without recording an out in a start last year. You look at Dylan Bundy like, oh, he gets he gets all those strikeouts. Maybe this is the year. Yeah, it's never it's never the year, man. <laughs> so they got a lot of pitchers that are like that. It's just hard to believe it. And then they had David Heston will throw a no-hitter last night and took him out. It's already been a pretty exciting year in Baltimore. But I mean, I guess props to them for figuring out how to beat the Yankees two out of three. That, that might be the highlight of their year, and it happened in the first three days of the season. Absolutely. And we always have a nickname here on this show for Andrew Kashner. He is the Cash Burner Kashner. So... <laughs> Uh, I think it's very appropriate. And Mike, I'd like to close it up with this. Obviously, you do some tremendous work over there for Yahoo Sports. I know that you do the baseball card show as well. You're out there on Twitter at Mike Oz as well. Let the good people know what you're all working on and how they can find you out there on social media, Yahoo Sports and elsewhere. Yeah, well, we just had actually our uh, 100th episode of Old Baseball Cards, which uh, was a pretty amazing one. We had Pete Rose and it was... 20 minutes of Pete Rose opening old packs, and it, it was amazing. So if you have not seen that yet, go watch it. It is worth the price of admission because it's free. But even if it costs money, it'd be worth it. Uh, we have Mike Trout coming up this week on the show, so that's going to be great. And I have some fun stories I'm working on that I, I can't totally give away, but I will say that the one thing I'm chasing right now is that the uh, anniversary of Major League, the movie, is coming up this week. So I hope to have a cool story related to that that you'll see hopefully pretty soon that is gonna be so awesome and i feel like this interview was not a little bit outside i think it hit the mark right there it's my cost been my guest right here on mlb overtime betting and coming up next we've got to give you a side and total on every game on today's betting board and we're gonna do so as we touch them all hey i'm steve heitner the guy who uttered the famous phrase that's gold And that's the inspiration of my new podcast, That's Gold with Steve Heitner. We talk sports, sports betting, movies, comedy, food, drink, Vegas, music, movies, and more. Five days a week. Did I say movies twice? Look, guys love it, whether they're hip or worried about breaking a hip. Find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify and Stitcher. That's Gold with me, Steve Heitner. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, you better not blow it. 
a big thanks to Mike Oz of Yahoo Sports for joining me in the last segment as we are back here on MLB Overtime Betting. And now it is that time of the show where I give you a side and total on every game on today's betting card. And we do so in a little something I'd like to call Touch Em All. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Note that any changes that may occur to these plays will be done so on my Twitter page at unit underscore 81. We had a small flip a few days ago with a total in the... Giants and the Dodgers game that sometimes happens when you get big line moves and everything like that and then also some of these plays are locked in some of these plays are not I will be keeping you abreast of what plays are not locked in and when they do get locked in on my Twitter page as well at unit one we are going to go in Las Vegas rotation order as we've got a little bit of a smaller slate on this Thursday as 951 952 on the rotation sees the Washington Nationals going to New York to face off against the Mets Noah Cinder takes a hill for the Mets. Meanwhile, Steven Strasburg goes for the Washington Nationals. The total on this one is between 6.5 and and 7. If you like 6.5, the over is between minus 115 and minus 120. Under is between minus 105 and even money. There's also a couple 7s out there. If you like the 7, under is minus 125, over is minus 105. And it is the Nationals are between a plus 115 and plus 120 underdog. Meanwhile, if you like the Mets, you're laying between 125 and 130. And this is a spot where I do like the Mets. I don't have faith in them being able to win by multiple runs. So for that reason, I'm going to wind up just taking the money line. I wound up getting minus 125 with the Mets. And I am going to be on this total over. I was able to find an over of 6.5 at minus 110 juice offshore. I'm sure that if you wait this thing out, you're probably going to be able to find a little bit more favorable juice. And I would advise you to be able to do that. And with the New York Mets, you've got some bats that are really hitting right now. Brandon Nimmo's off to a little bit of a slow start at the top of the lineup, but Michael Conforto doing a nice job at the fourth slot. Robinson Cano has actually been off to a little bit of a slow start, but we also saw him be able to hit home run against Steven Strasburg this year. I like what Ahmed Rosario is doing. Keon Broxton really had a nice day against the Miami Marlins earlier. J.D. Davis is a guy that's starting to come around, and Pete Alonso is a guy that we talked about in the last segment. He's really been raking for the Mets. Meanwhile, for the Nationals, they were able to really get to Aaron Nola. They got a 9-8 win, and the Nets' bats are starting to catch fire. You've got Juan Soto in the middle of the lineup doing a great job. Anthony Rendon has been great in the three-hole. Ryan Zimmerman is off to a little bit of a slow start, and they're not getting much out of Kurt Suzuki, but with that said, at the top lineup, Adam Eaton is doing a great job of getting on base, and Trey Turner has some of the best speed of anyone in baseball, so I'm going to play this game over. But with Steven Strasburg, He's a guy that's been a little bit roughed up in recent years. I feel like he's a very overrated pitcher. The first time he took on the Mets, the Mets were really able to get to him. I think that the Mets, all in all, have a little bit of good history against them. I think they're going to be able to get him once again. I know that this game is going to be in New York as well. That gives them a little bit of a home field advantage. And Syndergaard, I have a feeling he's going to be able to give up two runs himself. So for that reason, I am on this game over. And I am going to take the Mets here. I am holding off on the Mets. I'm trying to see if I can get more of a minus 115 minus 120, but I wound up locking in that over of 6.5. 9.53, 9.54 on the betting reputation was supposed to be the San Diego Padres hitting the road faceoff against the St. Louis Cardinals. That game has been postponed. If you see anyone posting a play on this game, they are selling you a bag of goods. 9.55, 9.56 on the betting rotation. It is the Cincinnati Reds going on the road to face off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Tyler Molly goes for the Cincinnati Reds, and it is Jordan Lyles taking the bump for the Pittsburgh Pirates. If you do like the Cincinnati Reds, you're going to be getting a plus price of right around 110, seeing a plus 111 out there as well, so get the punny if you can get it. And if you like the Pirates, you're laying between minus 120 and minus 121. Across the board, I'm seeing a lot of 8s with the juice minus 110 both ways on the over and under. I'm seeing 17.5, that over is minus 120, and the under is even money. These are two pitchers that... Let's face it, they're not necessarily great starters. The Reds' bats have just been absolutely anemic so far this year. They were completely shut out yesterday when they took on the Milwaukee Brewers and the Pirates. They don't necessarily have a whole lot of lot going for them right now as well, but I do like that Jung Ho Kang has come over after having his, let's call it, off-the-field issues and has been able to do a good job of being able to get on base for this team. Corey Dickerson has a home run this year. He's not doing a lot. Frazier hasn't been giving this team a whole heck of a lot. And with the Pirates, right now their leader in RBI is Josh Bell with three. So he's not doing a whole heck of a lot. But with Jordan Lyles, he's not necessarily a pitcher that's going to light the world on fire. And then with the Cincinnati Reds, Tyler Molly 
has been a guy with some good stuff, but he's just never really been able to put it together. I don't know what it is about him. Last year, he was 7-9. and nine. He had an ERA near 5, and he does a good job of being able to get some strikeouts. He gets about a strikeout per inning, but he had 53 walks in those 112 innings, and if you give the Pirates some free passes, I think that it's something that could really help their offense emerge, and boy, do they need it because they have been really struggling this year, but I will say that on Monday in their extra inning game against the St. Louis Cardinals, it was encouraging that they were able to get five runs before the game, did go to extras. Sterling Marte at the top of the lineup, you got to think, is going to get going eventually, so there are some redeeming qualities with this team. I think that Cervelli is going to come around a little bit as well, and with the Reds, you do have some power as well. You do have the likes of Joey Votto, Eugenio Suarez, and company. Scooter Jeanette is out of the lineup and is going to be for quite a while, so obviously they're trying to get through that, and the guys that are trying to do so in like Jose Peraza and Derek Diedrich just aren't getting the job done. So I do have a little bit more faith here in the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm right now holding off on the Pirates. I'm trying to see if I can get more around minus 110 or minus 115. I do notice that the Sharps do like to back the Cincinnati Reds quite a bit, but I did lock in over eight runs at even juice. I do think that with the pitching staffs of these two teams and both teams aren't really having great relievers that both these offense are able to heat up a little bit. 957-958 on the betting rotation. The Chicago Cubs are still in Atlanta to face off against the Braves. For the Chicago Cubs, taking the mound is you. You Darvish goes for them. Meanwhile, for the Atlanta Braves, they trot out their Max Freed. The total on this one I am seeing is 8.5 with the over shaded a little bit. I'm seeing the over between minus 115 and minus 120. If you like the under, you're getting either even money or you're getting minus 105. And if you're looking to back the Chicago Cubs in this spot, you're getting between plus 105 and plus 106. If you like the Braves, you're getting between minus 115 and minus 116. It shows just how much people dislike betting on you, Darvish, because Max Freed last year, he had a nice 2.94 ERA, but he started five games last year. He had 20 walks in 33 and two-thirds innings, and yet he is the betting favorite in this game. Now, you Darvish, not a good pitcher right now. He got roughed up in his first outing against the Texas Rangers. But with that said, I have a lot more faith in the Chicago Cubs in this spot. I know that their relief pitching is a great, but the Atlanta Braves, they're also banged up with their pitching as well. They've right now got A.J. Minter, Mike Fultonavich, and Kevin Gossman all on the 10-day injured list for the Chicago Cubs. Well, they've got a lot of relief pitching on the 10-day injured list as well with Xavier Cedeno and Brandon Morrow. So I do think that that's going to lend itself to a lot of runs in a ballpark in Atlanta that we thought would surrender more runs than it has. Last year, it was a little bit more of an underpark than we thought. But I do like that Javi Baez is really doing a good job of hitting for the Chicago Cubs. He entered Tuesday's matchup with a batting average of near 400 with two home runs and six RBI. He's doing a great job for this team. You've got Anthony Rizzo, Ben Zobris, and company. And meanwhile, for the Atlanta Braves, you've got quite a few good power bats as well. Josh Donaldson hasn't really come around for this team so far this year, but Freddie Freeman is doing a nice job of being able to generate some offense at the middle of the lineup. Ronald Acuna Jr. just signed that big deal. Nick Barcakis is off to a little bit of a rough start to the season, but Dansby Swanson in the eighth spot also getting the job done. Now, I feel like the big question mark is what can you get out of Johan Camargo? He's been a little bit of a platoon player that hasn't come around this year, but Ozzy Alsby's at the top of the lineup also doing a good job of getting on base. I just don't have a lot of faith in Max Freed, though. I think that he's going to give up a lot of free passes. I do feel like the Cubs offense is a little bit better. I do think that we're going to see quite an offensive explosion given the way that both these teams are able to hit. I was able to get a little bit more favorable juice on 8.5, so I wound up playing this total over. If you're seeing this at minus 120 with the over in regards to eight and a half, I would try to hold out for nine and try to get a plus price there because I do think that both these teams do get to four plus runs, but I think that in the end, the Cubs are going to be able to win this game. Right now, I'm holding off on the Cubs. I'm trying to see if I can get 110 or greater, but I will be riding with the Cubs along with the over that I locked in. 959, 960 on the betting rotation. It is the Kansas City Royals in town to face off against the Detroit Tigers. The home Tigers have Spencer Turnbull on the mound. Meanwhile, Jacob Judas goes for the Kansas City Royals. If you like the Kansas City Royals, well, congratulations. You're getting a pretty even line. I'm seeing one spot with the Royals at minus 107, but everywhere else, it's a even minus 105 split each way on both the Royals and the Tigers. Total in this one is mostly eights. I'm seeing the under at minus 120 and the over even. I'm seeing one seven and a half, and that over is minus 120, and the under is even. 
I have no idea why this total is set so low. I wound up locking in over eight runs at even money. This is a spot where you don't have very good starting pitching. I know that Jacob Junis has shown some flashes throughout his career, but Spencer Turnbull is not necessarily a guy that I want to be putting my chips in the middle with. He, in his first start, gave up, I believe it was three runs in five innings. And during his year last year, he just was not a very good pitcher in general. You take a look at what he did last year. He had a 6.06 ERA. He wound up being sort of a split starter slash reliever. He made three starts last year. He wasn't necessarily walking a lot of guys. He had only four walks and 16 innings, but he just lends himself to giving up a little bit too much contact. And with this Kansas City Royals team, they've got a couple guys that are out there and are hitting Alex Gordon. Has not been doing a good job of being able to get on base, but he's been driving in some runs. At the top of the lineup, Alberto Mondesi hitting a little bit over 400. Whit Merrifield has shown that he's able to get on base, and Solaire has some good power for the Royals as well. Meanwhile, for the Detroit Tigers, Gordon Beckham was able to give this team the winning home run against the New York Yankees yesterday. Got like the way that he's been able to come around. Miguel Cabrera is off to a little bit of a slow start this year, along with Diego Goodrum. But Jameer Candelario has been hitting right around 300. He's been doing a nice job for the squad. You got to think that Stewart's going to be able to get things going as well. And for the Detroit Tigers, they're dealing with a little bit of a mashed-up starting pitching rotation with Michael Fulmer going to be out for quite a while and Drew Verhagen currently on the 10-day injured list and with the Kansas City Royals they're just all sorts of banged up right now Brian Flynn is on the 10-day injured list they're not going to have Salvador Perez for a very long time Danny Duffy is on the injured list Jesse Hahn is on the 60-day injured list Trevor Oaks not going to be available for this team for quite a while so with both these teams being very very shallow with their pitching to say the least I wound up taking this game over but I do have a little bit more faith in the Royals because they have been doing a better job of hitting so far this year so for that reason I wound up locking in the Royals in this spot and I wound up taking this total over. Now we head to a game that you're not going to be able to bet on. 961-962. This game has been postponed. It is the Seattle Mariners versus the Chicago White Sox. It was supposed to be Kikuchi, who we were talking about in the last segment, going for the Seattle Mariners. Unfortunately, that will not be the case. If someone's trying to sell you a play that the Mariners are the Stone Cold Lead Pipe Block of the Century... Do not believe them. We move on to 963, 964 on the betting rotation. As in Baltimore, it is going to be the New York Yankees playing the role of visitors, and they're going to have James Paxson on the mound. Meanwhile, they go up against an Orioles team that will have Alex Cobb taking the bump. Total on this game is 8. The over is at minus 120 across the board. Under is even money. And if you like the Yankees, you're going to be laying $2. Meanwhile, the Orioles are plus 180. I know that the Yankees bats have not really been able to get anything going, but I think that the perfect antidote to that is the Baltimore Orioles. Now, Alex Cobb did a better job of being able to pitch in the second half than he did in the first half. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. But with the New York Yankees, you got to think that this is a team that's not going to be able to stay down for very long. Camden Yards is a place that gives up quite a few home runs. I know that it is a little bit chillier out there in the northeastern part of the country. But I do think that guys like Miguel Andujar, Aaron Judge, and company are going to be able to get right. I know that John Carlos Stanton also had a couple days off as well. So that was a little bit of a reasoning for why the New York Yankees might have been struggling a little bit. Brett Gardner is a guy that does a very good job of being able to get on pace. And I do think that this is a good spot to be able to take the Yankees run line. I was seeing it at minus 120. I'm seeing it at a little bit of higher juice around places, a lot of minus 125 and minus 130. But I feel like James Paxton is a guy to really ride in this spot. In his season debut with the Yankees, he won 5.2 innings with five strikeouts. He does a very good job of being able to limit contact and not allowing guys to be able to take him deep. We all remember what he did last year with the Mariners when he fanned 208 guys in 160 and a third innings. He did a very good job in that regard. He doesn't give away too many walks. And with the Baltimore Orioles, they are doing a good job of being able to hit the ball. Trey Boom Boom Mancini had a home run in the ninth inning against the Toronto Blue Jays yesterday. He already has three home runs and eight RBI this year. Chris Davis is essentially the most useless bat out there in baseball. He is a total waste of money, but you've got guys like Rio Ruiz who are able to rake for this team. Jonathan VR doing a nice job at the three spot. He's really been providing a little bit of something. And the left spe- 
And the left fielder, Dwight Smith, has actually emerged as a guy that can get on base for the Baltimore Orioles as well. I think that Paxton's going to give up a few runs, but I think that the New York Yankees are just going to bomb the Baltimore Orioles, an Orioles team that just doesn't have a lot of middle relief, and I think that Alex Cobb gets shelled in this game. So for that reason, I'm going to be on the Yankees' run line. I'm trying to see if this dips down to minus 110 or minus 115, but with that said, certainly would take it at minus 120, and I'm going to be on this total over, trying to see if over 8 gets to more around minus 105 or minus 110 juice there. And to clean up the last one, I locked in both the Royals and the over on that game as well. So a little bit of housekeeping there as we move on to 965-966. Boston Red Sox are on the road to face off against the Oakland A's. Trotting out there to the mound for the Boston Red Sox is going to be Eduardo Rodriguez. Meanwhile, for the Oakland A's, you've got Brett Anderson taking the bump. The total on this one is 8.5. Most of this is shaded to the under. The under is minus 120 in every place that you've got 8.5 and and the over is even money. I'm seeing one 8 out there. The over on that one is minus 120 and the under is even. And if you like the Oakland A's, you're getting between plus 105 and plus 107. And if you like the Red Sox, you're laying between minus 115 and minus 117. I know that Rodriguez has some very good stuff, but he's just not a pitcher that I really want to back in this spot. In his first start of the season, he really got roughed up. He enters with a ERA of over 10 this year, which obviously, well, that's through one start. But even last year, he gave up 45 free passes in just under 130 innings, so he has a little bit of a walks issue. He does a very good job of being able to get strikeouts, but he lends himself to a little bit too much hard contact as well. And I think that that is going to be a big issue for this team because something that we know is that the ballpark out there in Oakland, it plays very differently from day to night. When you get day games, they typically seem to go over. And then during the nighttime, the ball just does not travel in Oakland. And I think that Brett Anderson is actually very well suited to this park. In his season debut, he went six strong innings, had only four strikeouts, but he did not give up a single run, did a very good job of being able to avoid contact. And I think that with the Oakland A's bats, guys like Chris Davis, Matt Chapman, and company, I think they're going to be able to get the job done here. I do think that the Boston Red Sox will awaken as well with the bats. We remember the first two games of the series. They got completely shut out. You're not going to be able to keep down a lineup of guys like Mookie Betts, J.D. Martinez, Andrew Benintendi and company down for too long. But you are noticing that Benintendi is off to a little bit of a slow start this year. Jackie Bradley Jr. isn't necessarily doing what he did in the postseason, which that was to be expected. But I think that he's going to be able to rise up a little bit more. Brock Holt does not have a hit so far this year. Mitch Moreland has had a couple of rough games. And Xander Bogarts looks very average. So I think that both these teams are going to be able to get into gear. But I take a look at a guy like Steven Pascotti being able to hit a home run. And with the Oakland A's, the bottom of their lineup just has not been hitting very much. You've got Loreno, who's batting 118. Profar heading into the game last night was batting below 200 as well, along with Marcana and Chad Pinder. I think that these guys are going to be able to get on track, and both these teams are going to have a little bit of an offensive explosion, and I have more faith in the Oakland A's bullpen of being able to pull this game out. So for that reason, I'm going to be playing this total over, already locked in the over at 8.5, and I know that the public really likes to be able to back the Boston Red Sox, so holding off on betting the A's, but I'm going to be taking a plus price regardless with Oakland. 967-968 on the bang rotation. It is the Toronto Blue Jays hitting the road to face off against the Cleveland Indians. It is a total on this one of minus 115. The over is at minus 115 and the under is minus 105. And that is because we've got a pitching matchup that involves Aaron Sanchez of the Toronto Blue Jays and Trevor Bauer of the Cleveland Indians. If you like the Cleveland Indians, you are laying between minus 160 and minus 165. And if you like the Toronto Blue Jays, you're getting plus 150. This is a spot where I typically would like to take a run line if I could, but I think that this is going to be a little bit of a lower scoring Cleveland Indians win, so I'm going to be backing off on this game. I'm not going to fire it in quite yet, but I am looking at taking the Indians on the money line and laying what is going to be, quite honestly, a pretty big price because right now it's 160. Hopefully this can get down more in the neighborhood of 150. But Trevor Bauer is a guy that you've really got to look to bet on. He has been absolutely sensational the past couple years for the Indians. We all remember he had that drone incident before the World Series, but when he last took the mound, the game against the Twins in which the Cleveland Indians were able to get a win by a count of 2-1. to one. Last year, he was 12-6 and six with a 2-2-1 ERA. Does a very good job of being able to get strikeouts at 221 and 175 in a third innings. Does not really get hit too much. Opponents hit just 208 off of him. He sometimes gets a little bit loose with walks. He's a guy that 
has a few more walks than you'd like to see. But with that said, his fielding independent is pretty good as well. So he's got all the good stuff right there. And Aaron Sanchez is a guy that I think is starting to come around for the Toronto Blue Jays as well. I do like the way that he's able to throw it. But I do think that the Cleveland Indians bats are going to be able to get a little bit more awakened. They played a little bit of a slugfest in which they lost to the Chicago White Sox yesterday by a count of 8-3. to But in that game, you were able to see that a couple of the Cleveland Indians bats were able to get going. Henley Ramirez had his second home run of the year. And in the middle of the lineup, Carlos Santana has yet to go deep, but he's already got five RBI for the team so far this year. He's batting 471, so he's off to a white hot start. You got to think that the bats at the top of the lineup with Leonis Martin and Jose Ramirez are going to be doing a little bit of a better job of being able to get on base. And I do look at a couple guys like Greg Allen to be able to step up and give this team a couple hits. Obviously, right now, you've got Francisco Lindor, Bradley Zimmer also out of the lineup, but I do think that the Indians still do have enough offense to be able to get to the Blue Jays, and I'm just still not too bullish on the Blue Jays' bullpen in general. So for that reason, I'm going to be on the Cleveland Indians in this spot, looking to see if I can lay a little bit less juice, and I'm also trying to see if I can get that over of 7 at minus 110 juice instead of 115. So holding off on both plays, but in this spot, I'm going to be on the money line of the Cleveland Indians, and I am going to be on the over. And we've got one game left on the betting board, and that is 969-970 on the betting rotation. The LA Angels play host to the Texas Rangers. Edison Volquez goes for the Texas Rangers. Meanwhile, for the Angels, Matt Harvey. The total on this one is 8 shaded to the under at between minus 115 and minus 120. If you like the over, you're getting either even money or minus 105. And if you like the Angels, you're going to be laying between minus 142 and minus 145. And if you like the Texas Rangers, you're getting between plus 130 and plus 135. Edison Volquez is just a guy that I really can't stick my chips in the middle with. And Matt Harvey actually looked quite decent last year when he was out there with the Cincinnati Reds. I think that that was exactly what he needed because he needed a career reboot. And in his season opener, he gave up a pair of runs and he didn't look too bad in his season opener. Meanwhile, Volquez, in his first start of the year, it was his first start since the year 2017. And well, didn't necessarily go well. He gave up Four runs and four innings. He did have three strikeouts, but he was really getting hit, and he was getting hit hard. Just not too many redeeming qualities with him. And with the LA Angels, this is a offense that has really been struggling to put up runs so far this year. I feel like Volquez might be the exact antidote that they need because this is an Angels team that they're very much an all-or-nothing offense. Zach Cozart entered yesterday with only one hit so far this year. Albert Pujols has not really been raking for the team, and Dalton Simmons has not been getting going, and even Mike Trout hitting below 300 thus far. Jonathan Lucroy actually might be their best hitter. They did make a couple lineup adjustments, taking Cole Calhoun from the one spot all the way down to the sixth spot to try to shake things up a little bit on Tuesday, and I think that it could pay off a little bit of dividends. Sometimes that's exactly what you need. And with the Texas Rangers, they've been getting a lot of production out of Asdrubal Cabrera. He entered Wednesday's action with three home runs and seven RBI. He's been doing a good job for this team. Joey Gallo seems to be doing a better job of not being able to swing for the fences and is taking a little bit more of what's given to him, but we all know that he's still an all-or-nothing player. Elvis Andrews and Sinchu Chu are also able to get on base, so I do think that this game is going to lend itself to some runs. I think that the LA Angels are going to get awoken, so I'm going to take the over of eight and a half here, but I do think that the Angels have better pitching in this spot, and I just think that the Texas Rangers who have bad middle relief pitching and just trot out there a guy in Edison Volquez I can't back whatsoever are going to get completely shellacked. So I'm going to wind up taking the Angels run line here rather than laying the minus 140 to minus 145 number. I was able to find a run line of the Angels at plus 150. That was over at William Hill and as of right now I'm seeing that still available so jump on it if you're able to get it. I'm seeing a lot more of the run line at plus 135 to plus 140 for the Angels and I would still obviously advise a play there. So both those plays are locked in the over and the LA Angels run line and that will do it for this Thursday edition of MLB Overtime Betting. A big thanks to Mike Oz of Yahoo Sports for joining me in the second segment. And if you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple iTunes. Yes, we are finally verified on iTunes, along with Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you ever have a question for the podcast, tweet it in at tuneIn underscore 81. And I always look forward to talking at you guys. I'll be breaking down every game on the MLB betting board for the entire season. And I'll talk at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. 